All right, welcome to Church on the Hill. You guys turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Father, we're here to give you our heart. We're here to hear your word. Teach us your word. If we can, church, let's just lay aside everything that could be going on, everything that's trying to stop what the Lord's trying to say today. Lord, we focus in on you right now. Your word says that nothing can separate us from your love. Nothing, and that has nothing to do with how we feel. Nothing can separate us from your love. Matthew chapter 6. We've been in the Sermon on the Mount for quite some time now, and I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's great teaching from a great teacher, from the great teacher, from Jesus Christ. He's teaching us this himself. And now, as we're continuing on in Matthew chapter 6, if you remember from last week, we were talking about when we do things, don't toot your own horn, don't let everybody know, God knows, God's watching, God sees, don't worry about making sure everyone knows what you're doing with your fasting, with your giving, because if you make it known, then the response you get is the only reward you get. But if you let only God know, if you only do it before God, then God rewards what was done in secret, but he rewards openly. Amen? So we go straight from there into verse 5, and Jesus starts talking to us about how to pray. I don't know if you've caught this, but as we start going through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is laying out every step for us as we walk with him. He doesn't leave out a step. He's given us the eight Beatitudes. He's given us a bunch of, a bunch of um, warnings that may want to come at us. Then he started giving us five kingdom activities, and one of these activities today is prayer. And who better to teach us how to pray than Jesus Christ? Amen? Why is prayer so important? It's because it is the primary way that God releases his power to his people. That's why it's so important that you pray. It's like Caleb talking about these, uh, what kind of prayer did he call it? Shotgun prayer, what did he call it? Rapid prayer. Well, you know, rapid fire, whatever. He's getting them to pray. Why? Because God's power is going to encounter them when they pray. One great thing about children is they approach God like he likes to be approached. Like children. They've kind of got one up on us. Because they don't care. They'll just ask. If they have a, a need, if they have a feeling, they'll ask. How many of you have kids? They ask when they're hungry. They ask when they hurt. They ask when they have a problem. They just learn as they get older to not ask. They don't need to learn that. They need to learn to keep asking. God wants us to keep asking. He already knows, but some reason he wants us to ask. We're going to see why, I believe, today. So here's the man, Jesus, with the greatest prayer life. The man with the greatest teaching ministry in history teaching us on prayer, right? Don't you think we should listen? Just something to consider. He knows what he's talking about. Holy Spirit, teach us to pray. Teach us the Lord's Prayer. But the problem with the Lord's Prayer is the familiarity. It's probably one of the most well-known passages in the Bible, and with familiarity comes a negative side to it 
because we become content with kind of a superficial, broad stroke view of this prayer. Each phrase in this prayer could be the title of a book. There is so much to learn in each phrase. We could stay here for a long time. We're not going to. I'm going to split this into two parts. This section, Matthew 6, chapter 5, verse 15. And we're just going to take a small part today and the rest of it next week. But there are so many applications and implications involved in these few scriptures. But because of our familiarity with it, it's easy to reduce the prayer to kind of like a poem that just gets recited by children. Can we say it together? And we're going to use, I'm going to, I think I'm using NIV, we're going to say debts. How many of you know we get all caught up and we want to stop in the middle because is it transgressions, is it debts, is it sins? What are we going to say? We're going to say debts, okay? Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive those, our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Amen. There's power. That is, we are not to go numb to that prayer. In fact, we are supposed to engage. That is an engaging prayer. That is a prayer of war. But you know what we make it? We make it like the Pledge of Allegiance. Don't even think about what we say anymore. Pledge of Allegiance, where's our flag? To the flag. And we go through the Lord's Prayer, and you know what? We feel pretty good that we didn't mess it up. I got that right. I, I know things. You know the Lord's Prayer? Yeah. Let me, let me say it to you, because I, I, I know that one. But we lose the meaning. And church, I believe this is one of the most dynamic teachings in all of the Word of God. These few verses on how prayer works. So church, can we approach this today and next week with eagerness and eager heart? Have you ever been eager? Have you ever been excited? Tell your heart, stop acting like a, a prude and get excited about the Word of God for a moment. Let's engage what he's saying. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. This is NIV. And when you pray, don't be like those hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. Who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Verse 9 This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we also have forgiven our debtors. Verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Father, in Jesus' name, we just acknowledge your word. We believe it comes straight from the throne of God. And it has been provided for us. This word today has been provided for us. For us to receive. For us to walk. For us to hear and understand. For it to protect us. For us to engage your power and your protection. And your reward. Your presence. We desire you, Lord. And we turn our hearts to you right now. Holy Spirit, teach us in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Jesus said, in this manner, therefore, pray. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are supposed to pray. Pastor, I don't feel comfortable praying. You know what? You don't, it says here, go in your room. Get between you and God. He knows what's in your heart already. But he needs you to pray. He needs you to engage him. He gave us a model, and this model of prayer gives us insight as to what God is like, and it gives us insight into the nature of the kingdom, how the kingdom operates and functions. Do you realize Jesus' teaching is trying to explain how kingdom works? He's trying to explain how God works so that we will engage him correctly. I want to know how to engage God. The priorities and the principles of the kingdom are clearly laid out in this model of prayer. And Jesus is making clear what are the central things. He's saying, keep these things central. Because it's so easy in our prayer life to neglect or overlook any of these principles in this prayer. Now, he points out six requests in this prayer. These six requests have many levels of application. And it gets really good when they all start working together in relationship with one another. Next week, we'll go into these six requests. But Jesus starts with a strong idea, with a strong teaching of who God is. How does he start? Our Father in heaven. Now, I don't know that you've ever thought about it. But this little phrase is so big. Why is it so big? It's twofold. It's saying it almost would appear two complete opposite approaches. It's two opposite approaches that the world has been used to. There's two dynamic truths about God with many implications. Jesus says, our Father. What's he talking about? He's talking about the tenderness of God. He's talking about a personal involvement or the affection of God's heart. When he says, in heaven, he's talking about his majesty. Our Father in heaven. His indescribable glory and the greatness of who he is. That's what Jesus is saying. The one who dwells in heaven. Now these two dimensions of God, his tenderness as Father... And his 
his majestic transcendent, I'm going to explain that in just a minute, as the one in heaven, we can't understand really who God is with those two things separated. We can't just get the Father and not the majesty of God. And we can't just get the majesty of God and not get the Father. We've got to have them both. We can't separate the two truths, and it's easy. And so many times in church history, even today, the church will focus just on the majesty, how great God is, how big he is, how powerful he is, how majestic he is, and miss the tenderness of the Father. And then some in the, in the body of Christ will just focus on the Father and the tenderness and the personal involvement with God, which is right, but we leave out the majesty of God. He's, he's both. Love and marriage. They go together. Chocolate and peanut butter. They go together. Peanut butter and jelly. Peas and carrots. They go together. We can't, we can't have this view, only one-dimensional view of God. We've got to have them both. Jesus starts off saying them both in one little phrase. It's not even a complete sentence. Our Father in heaven. Can you imagine the magnitude? Try to imagine the magnitude of those two truths. And it's such a huge mountain to climb that mankind will continue this journey up this glorious mountain, discovering this unbelievable truth about the transcendence of God, the majesty, the greatness, and the tenderness of the Father. So Jesus starts, listen, this is the start of our prayer life, is approaching God correctly. We're not going to go into asking for what we need. We need to know God. Who is God? This principle start, prayer starts with the being of God himself. And the right approach to prayer foundationally is with the right view of God. Because with the wrong view of God, do you know what we do? We misinterpret him. We misinterpret the way God answers. The wrong view of God, we went, wind up enduring in prayer with no answer. Paying the price, no hope. We've missed it completely. One of the great ways that we begin to grow in prayer is by adjusting our view of who God is. Do you know that's one reason why Jesus came? Was to give the clear view of who God is. He comes to the priests. He comes to the Pharisees. He comes to the lost. He comes to everyone to say, you've gotten off. I'm here to get you back on. We as Christians get off. That's why we have the Word of God to get back on. It's why we have the Holy Spirit to lead us back on the right path. How many of you know it's so easy to get off? It's so easy. Tozer, in one of his books, once, once said this quote right here. He said, a low view of God is the greatest problem in the church in every generation. I believe a lot of times we discount God. We don't believe he can heal us of cancer. We don't believe he is standing right there when our enemy is right in our face. 
We don't believe he is for us. We don't believe that he has armies of angels ready to come to our rescue. We don't believe that when we pray, he sends answers. We, ha- we so many times wind up with a low view of God. And this phrase, our Father in heaven. Whether it's a low view of the fatherhood or a low view of his majesty, the one who dwells in heaven. Either one will cause us to have a diminished relationship with God and it will affect our prayer life. So we need to take time to cultivate, cultivate this um, understanding that Jesus is teaching us here. And you know we have Genesis to Revelation to help us draw from. But what I want to urge you is don't move quickly from here. When you start praying, and if you take the Lord's Prayer and begin, Our Father in Heaven, don't move from that quickly. Stay there for a little bit. You're going to get your needs met. You're going to have plenty of time to tell God what your needs are. But stay focused on God, our Father in heaven. Don't move quickly. Let's hang out here a little bit. While we start to pray the six requests, we've got to regularly cultivate the glorious truth of who God is as a Father and as His majesty sitting on the throne and how truly great He is. And in the time of Jesus during his ministry, the Jews, as a rule, saw God as transcendent. And what that means is infinitely superior in his power and greatness to anything they could imagine beyond description. And let me tell you, they were right. But the problem with that view is, with only that view is, we're so separated from him. He's so far off because he's so great. Do you get it? There is such a huge spance between the greatness of God and us. Right? I mean, I, I don't know that it's even comparable. We're dirt. He's God. He created us. But you can see from the Jew standpoint what a great difference there is. We're so far apart. The Jews saw, thought of him as king. They're right. They had the words of the prophets. So their view of God was, stay at a distance. He's too much. Do you remember when Moses came down? And he's glowing. I mean, can you imagine that? If Justin were to come back from Bethel, from, from Jesus' culture, and all of a sudden he's glowing. And he kind of is. I don't know if you've been around him, but he kind of is. (laughs) Justin, you go talk to God. Tell us what he says. You go. Put something on your head. (laughs) Justin, come in with a bag over his head. (laughs) But that's what the people said. You stay there. We acknowledge you as the man of God, but you stay over there and tell us what we need to do. Jesus says, no, no, I want you to radiate the presence of God too. Jesus is saying, what's in me I want you to have. And it's so good. 
But the Jews had just pushed him, kind of kind of say, say here, you stay here, it's too much. Then Jesus came to say, your creator, that one that you know as creator, is father. He's father. And you know, this is not technically a new teaching, because there's about 15 passages in the Old Testament where God is declared to be father. But the part that was new was the emphasis. Jesus emphasized. He's like, you have missed it. Our God is our Father. Even though it's an old doctrine, it was not emphasized. And Jesus came to make it um, kind of the premier dominant thought in our view of God. Not to minimize the others, but it's the primary thought that all of our views are formed from as Father and as King. He is our Father. And you know, if you can really grasp God being your Father, your whole view of God will change. Not the view of your Father, your earthly Father, but of the view of your heavenly Father. He is our Father. And the next thing Jesus did is He really elaborated. He gave a lot of new information of what it meant as God is Father. He combined these two ideas that He's powerful. The Jews knew that, but He's also personal. He combined the fatherly love with heavenly power. He combined the Most High God with the one who bows low, who, who bows so low in His desire for deep connection and partnership with His people. He is Father. And in this is so big. With him being father, you know what he longs for? Is he longs for relationship. But more than that, he longs for partnership. You know, I can have a relationship with my four-year-old. But my relationship becomes different with my 16-year-old. Because I can have a partnership. God wants a partnership with you. He doesn't just want relationship, he wants partnership. And as a father, he provides, he directs, he protects, and he plans like a father. He has a plan that he works for our ultimate glory and greatness. He has a detailed plan as father for our ultimate greatness under his leadership. What Jesus is saying is that he is a father and it's not just a role it's not just a role that he's playing, it's who he is. It is his character. He thinks like a father. He feels like a father. He leads like a father. He protects like a father. He relates like a father. He uses his plans to create like a father. The Most High God uses his power to establish his plans as a father. I'm telling you, it's mind-blowing. But it is his character. Jesus has come to say, we've gotten God wrong. You've got part of it right, but you've missed this part. The bottom line in terms of our response is we are to see the Father with tenderness. All-powerful, but tender. And if we had the two, we would have great confidence to draw near to him, even in our weakness. And do you know that was a whole new concept too, drawing near. 
Jesus came to show us that we could draw near to God. Draw near to God. And you know what it would ultimately lead to? If we could really grasp the Father correctly and grasp how great and how big He is, it would lead to wholehearted obedience. Wholehearted obedience. That's the revelation that it would produce. And then, once we grasp really who God is, the six requests that come next, we'd view them differently. We'd view them differently because we view God differently. And through church history, we've so emphasized God's majesty, but minimized his fatherhood. And you know what happens? We wind up with a a depersonalized God. He's majestic but distant. He's cold-hearted and even harsh at times. And they placed him on such, a, on such a place that they couldn't see his tenderness, his longing for his, the enjoyment of his heart to be involved with his people. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Can you, can you just allow yourself to grasp that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, it is such a big, powerful thing. If we could really grasp Father God and really grasp His majesty, I believe we would approach Him appropriately. Have you ever had your child approach you and, and they, didn't, they didn't know how to approach you? Maybe they were in trouble and they expected one thing, but what they got was something different. They thought something was going to happen, but when they finally approached you and came clean, they got something completely different. I've had, it, I've had it happen so many times. Now, sometimes you have to bring discipline. Sometimes you have to do the right thing for your child. But so many times they do not read you right. They think it's going to be awful. Next thing you know, mom and dad show them love and help them out of their problem. And they start to realize, I think I could approach him the next time. And, and God has gotten this bad rap that we can't approach him. But we can approach him. You know what's great? He already knows. Whatever it is that you're battling, he already knows. Jesus just told us that in this prayer. He already knows. You don't have to go babbling on. He already knows. Have you ever had your children tell you a 50-minute story that needed to take about five seconds? Because they're trying to justify what it is that they're doing. Stop. Give us the truth and let us help you. We can help you. Daddy is supposed to help you. And I want you to know, regardless of what your earthly father has been like, our Father in heaven is our only help. And it is good help. It may not be what you want, but how many of you know so many times we don't need what we want? We need what God has for us. I want to just give you an an idea. We've just talked about the Father and the tenderness. Revelation chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. And I'm going to close with this. 
this is where we see the context of our Father in heaven. This is where we see the majesty of God. It says, immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne is set in heaven. And one sat on the throne, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their head. Verse 5. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, a jasper in the ancient world was different than it is today. It was a brilliant, radiant gem like a diamond. And a sardis was a deep red, a deep red color, a precious stone. And these colors were emanating out of God. If you can just close your eyes and just imagine these mind-blowing images when, when, when John saw God here. Mind-blowing. John's having this vision and he's seeing these colors. Brilliant diamond-like glory emanating out of God. And he sees this deep red sardis color. For God is a consuming fire of desire for his people. And John is awestruck, and there is a rainbow, an emerald rainbow. And do you remember what rainbow means? Rainbow means it's the promise. Don't forget the promise of God. But verse 4, God's more than mercy in his heart uh, for his people. Verse 4, he desires deep partnership. For there are 24 thrones and elders that are sharing this government of heaven. That was God's idea. The Father insisted, the Lord Jesus in full agreement, that the government of God would be expressed through the earth in deep partnership with the redeemed. Now, some, some commentaries will tell you that they think that this is angelic beings, but most of what I've studied is that they are saints, the redeemed, but because of the amount of the references to the redeemed sharing in the government with the thrones and the crowns of the age to come. It was God's idea to surround him with the redeemed. He desires us. Us, even around the throne of God, he desires us. It was his de designing. Do you think he needed that? No, he's God. But he so desires that that he has it around his throne now. He has Jesus Christ at his right hand talking about us. We sang this morning, I'm a friend of God. Do you get it? That it, what Scripture tells us, he's thinking of us right now. You. He is thinking of you. I think if you could literally grasp the magnitude of that thought, you would hit the ground. Why do you think these elders constantly, or their, 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 their crowns are coming off and they're just getting awed? Because I, I think they put the crown back on, they're gathering themselves back together, and then, whoa, Bam! They hit the ground again. They can't take it. Let's look again. Let's, let's try it again. <laughs> Boom! I am not kidding. He is that great. John got this glimpse. 
can you just get a glimpse of who God is through the teaching of Jesus? He's trying to say, not only is he that great and big, but he's your daddy. He is your daddy, and he's thinking about you, and he loves you like a daddy. It is overwhelming. From the throne proceeds lightning and thunder and voices and sounds and music and fragrance and lightning strikes. It's better than Disney at 10 o'clock at night. They shoot the fireworks off, shoot the fireworks every night. And it's so much better. Church, get this. He's operating like that right now. This is the one that we're going to get to let our requests be known to him. Fireworks are going off and he's focused on us. Bombs are crashing. Waves are rolling. Songs are being sung. The sound of heaven is being released right now. And do you know what he's doing? He's thinking about you. And his heart is for you. He still has that same heart that gave his son Jesus for you. That same heart that broke when Jesus died on the cross. That is the same heart that is thinking about you. Our Father in heaven. Break my heart to recognize who you are, God, as I approach your throne. Because you, your heart has broken for me. And you are so mighty and so big. And you are thinking about me. Church, you know what happens? Your needs wind up somewhere else. It doesn't matter. He's already, he already knows it. He's already providing. Why? Because that's what a father does. My children don't have to tell me their needs. I provide for their needs. He just wants you to approach him as, a, as your father. Jesus is saying this is how to approach him. Don't forget his majesty. Don't forget who he is. He is that great. But he's also a... a a God that wants you to come get in his lap. Break down every chain. Break down every thing. And just love on him. Our Father. Who is in heaven. Our Father. Who is in heaven. I just want to encourage you. Stand up and let's respond. Let's respond. If you would just close your eyes, you may not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It is your time right now to just give your heart to him right now. Quit playing God, games with God and give your heart to the Lord right now. Just right where you sit, just say, Jesus, I give my heart to you. Save me in Jesus' name. It's not hard to come to the throne. It's easy, but you have to make a decision. Jesus, I give my heart to you. Forgive me of my sins. I come to you. The Word of God says that if you will just confess the name of Jesus, those that confess His name will be saved. Those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you do that? 
But with your eyes closed, I want you to try to get, John has given us this vision. Can you see the throne? Can you see lightning firing on every side? Can you see earthquakes? Can you see the whole earth shaking at the presence of the Lord? Every tongue will confess and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Can you see it? Now as we see the majesty of God, can you see the Father with his arms wide open and he's been looking for you for so long. He's been looking to you to wrap him up in his arms. To wrap you up. And to give you that hug that you never got as a child. To give you that hug that you have so desired. To give you that fulfillment that you have been missing. Would you approach God right now? That is the God that we serve. That is the God of heaven. I just ask you to respond. It's time to pray. If you have a prayer need, I want you to come on up. Those that are praying, come on up. And Miss Tammy, let's lead us. Go ahead and lead us right here, right where we are.